If, you're, uh, if you've got a, uh, a Bible with you, you can turn to Psalm 1. Uh, be good to, to follow along today. We have loner Bibles that are backed by the sound booth if you, if you need one. But uh, Locke is going to read. Would you please stand for the reading? Today's Bible reading is from Book of Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who walks not in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the companies of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of waters, which yields its fruits in season, and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prosperous. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that, blow, that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Thank you. May God bless the reading of his word. Um, Psalm 1 is one of my favorite psalms. Maybe it's one of yours. Um, I also think it's a, a great passage to start the new year because Psalm 1 prepares us, I believe, for the real world. A, a world of, of challenge, a world that has lots of suffering and injustice. It's a world where people often, unfortunately, live at their worst. It's a world where things don't always work the way they're supposed to work. And Psalm 1 offers the facts. There are two different types of people. We choose to be one or the other. There are two ways to walk. We'll choose one or the other. There are two ways to kind of end up, and we'll choose one or the other. And the overall ethos of this entry into the Psalms is choose wisely. A couple years ago, the U.S. and World News Report offered 50 ways to improve your life in the new year. Some of you need these kind of lists, I guess. They suggested everything from adopting a neighborhood park to unplugging your television. Uh, they, they went on to suggest starting your own blog, upgrading your vacuum cleaner, <laughs> or installing crown molding. These, this was on the list of 50 things to do. Uh, the number one way that they suggested to improve your life was simply get happy. Interesting suggestions, but I, I wouldn't say exactly inspiring. I, I'd like to offer a way you can improve your life, and it has nothing to do with blogging, vacuum cleaners, or new crown molding. You can improve your life by asking the question that is raised in Psalm 1. It's, uh, I believe, one of the very most important questions we can ask and answer as we stand at the beginning of the new year. The very first word of Psalm 1 is blessed, blessed. It's, a, it's only a seven-letter word in English, but it's a great word. It's an important word. And here in Psalms 1 and, and then in 2 together, they, Psalms 1 and 2 go together. We don't have time to look at them both today. But you'll see the word blessed brackets these two psalms. It's the very first word of, of the first psalm, and it's the very last line of Psalm 2. Together, Psalms 1 and 2 define the blessed life. According to Psalm 1, those who constantly delight in God's word those who are relentlessly attentive and receptive to what God has to say will live blessed lives. According to Psalm 2, those who allow their lives to be 
ruled by God, those who take refuge in God and live in complete dependence upon him will live lives that are blessed. Now, as soon as we get into the psalm, we're given this kind of profound contrast between the blessed person who's open and receptive to God's instruction and the wicked one who, who maybe stubbornly or arrogantly refuses it. The way of the righteous, what they're called, and the way of the wicked. The word way is pretty significant in this psalm. Um, speaking of that word, when I was thinking about it this week, this film scene came up in my mind. It's uh, from one of my favorite films, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. <laughs> you know, they, they, one of those odd couple journeys across the country. You've got uh, John Candy and Steve Martin traveling in a car together. And uh, at one point in their journey, they got onto the freeway, but they, get, they go on to oncoming traffic. They somehow get turned around, and they're heading into oncoming traffic. And somebody who's in the right lane, r- riding parallel with them, is shouting out their window, you're going the wrong way! And, and they, John Candy and Steve Martin look at each other, how do they know where we're going? <laughs> you know? <laughs> It's a, it's a great scene, worth watching that movie just for that scene. You're going the wrong way. That's kind of the gist of this message. <laughs> You're going the wrong way, people. Um, in this psalm, the way the way, word, the, the way the word way is used, I knew that was going to be a mouthful, twice in the last verse, once in the first line, makes it clear that Psalm 1 is showing that there are two ways that we can go in life. The, the first, uh, the outcome of which way we choose is, is described in, in the first and last words of the psalm. The first word again being blessed, the last word being destruction, perish. Between these words of blessing and destruction and life and, and death are two vivid pictures. The one is the person who's just wide open to God, <laughs> receiving, receptive to God's instruction and, and direction. The psalmist says that that person is like a tree, a grand tree, I picture, planted by streams of water. They'll never be without this this resource that sustains life, God's life-giving word. It says they bear fruit in season. Their leaf doesn't wither. Whatever they do prospers. Why do they prosper? Because they're planted. You know, the tree is is stable and, and productive because the roots are where they should be right beside the life-giving water. Psalm 92 describes this similarly. It says the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Their bodies might wear out, but, but they'll live fruitful lives even to their old age. Now, the way of the wicked is, is actually quite a different picture. While the righteous are like a, a well-placed tree whose stability allows it to live and to flourish and to bear fruit, the, the wicked are described like chaff that the wind just blows away. The message version describes them as wind-blown dust. There's nothing substantial about the wicked. There's, there's no stability. There's, there's no roots. There's no place to stand. The psalmist characterizes the wicked as walking, standing, sitting. They're kind of always on the move because they're not rooted. The concluding verse of Psalm 1 reintroduces the contrast between the way of the wicked and the way of the righteous. 
What is interesting is the pattern. Therefore, it says, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked is destruction. That sequence, you might notice, is, is wicked righteousness and then righteousness wicked. It puts the, the, the wicked on the outside where they don't stand, but they perish. The, the righteous, on the other hand, are at the very center uh, of God's attention. By, by being attentive and receptive to God's instruction, they're always sustained in life. You know, the, the wicked are not receptive to what God has to say because they believe what God has to say is simply His opinion. Or they kind of cherry-pick from His truths, uh, ignoring those words that are maybe inconvenient or unfashionable. The wicked are unwilling to accept instruction, and as a result, they cut themselves off from this very source of life that God promises. What is most sobering to me is how the the book of Psalms defines wickedness from the very start. You know, wickedness is not defined in terms of really awful things, heinous violence or socially, you know, uh, deviant behavior. Wickedness in in, in the Psalms is defined as being self-centered, and self-instructed, as opposed to God-instructed. That's wickedness. Uh, You see it in Proverbs, where you you have the fool compared to the wise person. According to Psalm 1, there are two kinds of people, and we choose to be one or the other. There are, are two paths that we can take, and they lead to two different ends. Psalm 1 is, again, particularly appropriate for this first Sunday of the new year. Some of us will be comforted by it, because there's great comfort in, in knowing that God's instruction can sustain us in, in any circumstance that comes our way. In fact, I know that some, there's some here this morning who are being sustained by it. This is how they're going to get through today, is the comfort of His Word and his, his faithfulness to us. On the other hand, some of us will feel threatened by this psalm, because honestly, we want to be in charge, and we're determined to be self-taught. That's our choice. Psalm 1 poses a question that is probably more challenging and agonizing than, than any other question we'll ask this year. Will we be open to God? Will we live our lives in such a way that we're attentive and receptive to all that God instructs us through His Word? The blessed life, folks, doesn't come from, from accomplishing the goals that we set out in these early days or by getting all the things that we want this year. The... <laughs> The blessed life comes by being willing to hear and accept what God has to say. In Psalm 1, the psalmist says, let God teach you this year. Practically, what might this look like? Well, a starting place, if you haven't uh, done so, is to actually say yes to the way of Jesus. I mean, Jesus uh, said a fairly audacious thing when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you'll notice that Jesus wasn't inviting people when he came uh, to our planet. He wasn't inviting people to um, get religious. He he, he said a couple of words that were kind of key that that really, I think, open us up into this this righteous life. He says, follow me. Follow me. I'm the way. You want to get to God. You want to have that righteous life. I'm I'm an example for one of what that looks like. And I'm not just going to show you my example. I'll actually journey with you. I'll actually uh, fill you with my life. And, and if you pay attention to me, I'll, I'll show you how to live this 
in your context, in, in your circumstances, in your struggles, in your challenges this year. I'll walk with you through that. He says, follow me. And if you haven't answered that call, that's a call he makes to everyone. It's a wide open invitation. And, and he makes it to us again. And, and we can respond to that invitation to say, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to walk his ways. I'm going to respond to the leadership and instruction and guidance of Jesus in my life. You can simply say yes to Jesus. Second thing, another step I think is relevant to all of us. Many of you have already said yes to following Jesus, but it's to commit to a spiritual nourishment plan. Uh, We talked this fall about um, choosing a rule of life, uh, forming a trellis, uh, a set of practices that will will basically support our life with God. And many of you are, are this week, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in that club. I, I stopped eating dessert on January 2nd. It was like D-Day, you know. But I'd had enough, actually. <laughs> I'm sick of dessert. But we're, we're, we're in the process right now of kind of choosing our, our behaviors for this year. I, I, I think a lot of us are doing that. And, and we're choosing diet, and we're choosing physical activities and priorities and how we're going to spend our money. And I, I would suggest one of the most important things we can do is choosing a, a set of practices that will nourish our life with God. And, and, and in this passage, it makes it really clear that we're called to delight ourselves in the law of the Lord, to meditate it on, on it day and night. We're, and I don't know how we do this. It's going to look different for every person. We throw a lot of mud out there, and hopefully something sticks with you. Can I say this to you? Find a way to get the Word of God into your life. To nourish yourself with His Word. That's the life-giving waters that we're meant to be planted by. And I, I don't, some of you have been a, a Christian for a long, long time, and you've, you feel like you read the book. Pray to God. Ask Him to help you delight in it again. You know, just ask, Lord, give me a hunger for Your Word. I know in my heart this is the answer to my life's issues and troubles. Help me, God, have a hunger for this again. Some of you, you're like, I, I, I feel lost. I open it and, and uh, I don't know where to go. There's lots of helps for you. And, and I'd, I'd encourage you to, to get some of the guides. There's a, the, the Essential 100, and we talked about this in the fall. And it's, it's merely the, the 100 probably scriptures you need to have read at least to, as a start, and uh, it'll be on our Facebook page today, and you can just type in the Essential 100 version Bible if you want to, and you can get a plan that will help you walk through pages of Scripture. But people, I, I don't know, we don't want to tell you how to do it, but find a way of assimilating Scripture into your lives. Finally, it may be simply an attitude that you take into this year, an attitude of faith. We're a faith community, so we should have faith, Right? Um, some of us, if I can be honest, we, believe, we behave like atheists when it comes to faith. We kind of live as if God doesn't exist. But we're meant to, I, I believe this passage encourages us, right in the very beginnings of the Psalms, to look up and look to God and have great expectations. I think we're meant to have great expectations of what God wants to do in our lives. We're meant to be a people of faith, believing in, and primarily believing in not what God is going to do in our lives, uh, I, I got to tell you this, some of the plans you've already made will not come to pass this year. They may be interrupted. I, I, I think of my life this last year didn't go any which way in which I expected it to go. 
But I do know this, God was with me and, and did amazing things through even the, the, the dips and the, va- the valleys. God did some incredible things. And I, and I want to say to you this, that, that, that if you heard last week as we shared, the, the verses that, that kept being proclaimed over this congregation were uh, Jeremiah 29, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I sense that some of you need to remember this, that God's way is flourishing, and He has your good in mind. He he doesn't want to limit and and constrain you. As as that other psalm said in Psalm 16, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And we, we need to be believing that God has good in store for us. And I believe He's got good in store for you. And as we walk in the ways of the righteous, it's... It's because He wants us to prosper and because He wants us to flourish because that's where the good way is. In light of this invitation, let me ask you, which way are you going to choose this year? I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Choose the way of the righteous. Respond to the call that God is, I believe He's stirring in your heart right now. Say yes to Jesus as He invites you to follow Him. And uh, in this way that He leads us on, as I've said before, He does the heavy lifting. Burden is light. And He'll teach you how to walk the way as we listen to Him. I I think it'd be appropriate. We're going to in just a few minutes, I uh, have a baby dedication. But why don't you take just another couple minutes and pray? Would you bow your heads with me? Let's, let's, you can't over-pray at the beginning of the year. Our Father and our God, as we stand at the beginning of this, this new year, we confess our need of your presence and your guidance as we face the future. We each have our hopes and expectations for the year that's ahead of us, but, but you alone know what it holds for us, and only you can give us the strength and wisdom we will need to meet those challenges. So help us to humbly put our hands into your hand and to trust you and to seek your will for our lives during this coming year. Teach us, we pray. Instruct us, Lord, into that good way. And in the midst of of life's uncertainties in the days ahead, assure us of the certainty of your unchanging love, we pray. In the midst of of whatever disappointments or heartaches that come, those are inevitable. Help us to turn to you for the stability and the comfort we need. In the midst of of life's temptations and the pull of our stubborn self-will, help us not to lose our way but to have the courage to do what is right in your sight regardless of the cost. Lord, in the midst of our daily preoccupations and pursuits, we ask that you would open our eyes to the sorrows and injustices of our hurting world. Help us, Lord, to respond with compassion and sacrifice to those who are friendless or in need. May our constant prayer be that of the psalmist. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your ways and help us to keep them to the end. As we look back over this past year, we thank you for your goodness to us, for far beyond what we've deserved. 
May we never presume on your past goodness or forget all your mercies to us. May they instead lead us to repentance and to a new commitment to make you the foundation and center of our lives this year. And so, Father, we thank you for the promise and hope of this new year. And we look forward with expectancy and faith. This we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, who by his death and resurrection has given us hope for this world and for the world to come. Amen.